Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We live with all kinds of troublesome things. What we sometimes forget is this is not what God intended. And these things, every malady, disaster, every harmful or hateful thing, what we forget is that these things have their origin in sin. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapter 5, verses 1 through 30, in a message titled, God is Still at Work Today. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So, as we know from our journey through John, and Hannah mentioned it even and as well as Jordan, that our theme is life in his name, and that's based on the statement of John, who tells us the reason that he wrote this gospel was that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing might have life in his name. And so one of the things that we've been looking at as we go through is just these stories that John is telling, he's handpicked these. This is a what you would call a very curated presentation of the life of Jesus with that objective in mind. That people reading this gospel and hearing the words of Jesus and, and seeing his dealings with people, that all of that would bring a person to putting their faith and trust in Christ. And so now John tells us a story here that is not told in any of the other gospels about this man who was infirmed for 38 years and how the Lord healed him. So we have here in this story a picture of the mercy and the compassion of Jesus for this hopeless, helpless, sinful man. And in the Lord's dealings with this man, we get, I believe, a picture of his dealings with all those who are in trouble and who need God's help. So I want to just kind of walk us through the story and look at some of the key points And then we'll finish up today by going on and looking at a few of the statements that Jesus made in response to the religious leaders who attacked him over this miracle that he performed. But the first thing to notice, well, let let me just give a a little bit of of a background here. Sometime later, we don't know exactly when, but uh, it was after Jesus had been in Galilee. Now he is back in Jerusalem, and he was at one of the Jewish festivals. Now, John tells us about the 
the Passover, two for sure, perhaps three Passovers that Jesus attended. John tells us about Jesus attending the Feast of Dedication, but he doesn't tell us exactly which feast this one was. So people have speculated. Some have thought, well, it was probably the Passover. But whatever the case, it was a festival in Jerusalem. And then John tells us that there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Now, the pool of Bethesda, Now, whenever you see Beth or Bet, that is house. So there's a a lot of, you know, Bethsaida. There's a lot of different Beths, Bethlehem. We find a lot of places in scripture that are called the house of something. So Bethlehem is the house of bread. Bethesda is the house of mercy. And so this place was referred to as the house of mercy. And there were these porticos or these colonnades, and there were these pools that were connected. And multitudes of infirmed people gathered at these pools because there was a myth that an angel at one time had stirred up the water. Now, we're reading from the NIV. The NIV doesn't include that verse. If you have a New King James Version or King James Version, you probably noticed there was a verse missing. And that's the verse that tells us about the angel ostensibly coming and stirring the water so that whenever the water was stirred, the first person that got into the pool was healed. Now, the reason that the newer translations don't include that verse is because it's not in what they consider to be the best manuscripts. And so it's kind of one of those scholarly debates whether it should be there or not. But what I do think about the older translations is that it does help give some context and it does help explain a little bit better just exactly what is going on here. So This is the case. And in this place, there is a great number of disabled people. Today, if you go to Israel, well, the pools are there. They've been excavated. And so you can stand up above and you can look down and you can see. You can still see some of the pillars and some of the, what would have been the the porticos. But there's a church, uh, I think a 12th century church that was built there, and that church is known as St. Anne's. And if any of you uh, follow me on Instagram, you might have seen us in a church singing together, and that was where we were doing that, in St. Anne's. But in the days of Jesus, now it's it's very tranquil now, it's kind of like a garden, it's a really, it's it's a wonderful place to stop on the tour, not only because of the history, but also it's just a a beautiful place to be. But at the time of Jesus, it was aesthetically, I'm sure it was beautiful, but there were all of these infirmed people because they were hoping to be put into the water, believing that somehow if they could get in 
that, that, that an angel, this is a superstition, that an angel had stirred it up and that they were going to be healed. And so there was a man there, but uh, notice the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed is who were there. And what I want us to see here is this is just a little snapshot of the misery that sin has brought into the world. You know, we live with all kinds of troublesome things. What we sometimes forget is this is not what God intended. And these things, every malady, disaster, every harmful or hateful thing, what we forget is that these things have their origin in sin. These things are part of our experience because of sin. When we hear of wars, famines, diseases, natural disasters, violence, murder, oppression, exploitation, when we hear of these things, we should remember how horrible sin actually is and how deeply we should disdain and avoid it. We just get so used to this being what life is, we sometimes fail to make the connection. We forget that these things are a result of sin. These things did not exist originally. This is not what God intended when he created the world. This came as a result of the revolt against God. Now, all infirmity, all physical infirmity has an indirect relationship to sin. So the fact that our bodies decay goes back to sin. Remember the Lord had said to Adam about the tree in the midst of the garden, the fruit on the tree, not to eat that, for in the day that you eat of it, you will die. And of course, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They did what he told them not to do. And it says that when they ate of the fruit, they died that day. But they didn't drop dead, but the death process began in them. The decaying process began in them, and they would eventually die. And so from that, all malady, physical malady, has come. So there is an indirect relationship to sin, but in some cases, the illness is a direct result of sin. And that is the case with this person. This story is very interesting because there's no other incident in scripture dealing with Jesus where he both has tremendous mercy and compassion on this person and heals him, but then also warns him about ongoing sin and implies that the reason he was in the condition he was in in the first place was because of sin. Now, in the Jewish mind, that was, uh, they automatically connected. Any, any problem that you might have was related to sin, and they made a, a, a direct connection. 
So later on in John's gospel, we'll get to the story of a man who was born blind. And the disciples himself asked Jesus the question, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So this was the mentality. This was the thinking. Jesus didn't think that because he said about that man, he said neither. His blindness is not due to that. So Jesus didn't believe that every malady, every infirmity, every sickness was directly related to sin. But in the case of this man, it was. So interesting point here. Now, as we read on, we find out that this man, he had been an invalid for 38 years. So he had been in this condition for 38 years. I was thinking, so if, if this was due to his own sin that he ended up in this condition and he had been in this condition for 38 years, and he was probably in his 50s at this time. 38 years. This man lived with a sin-induced, self-inflicted illness. But look at what Jesus did. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to be made whole is another way it could be translated. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one, literally, I have no man to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. And then we read that the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. How'd you like to have a pastor like that? <laughs> but he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? I mean, can you believe this? It's like, forget the miracle. Forget the guys walking. We just want to know who told you to do this because you're breaking the law. You're not to pick up that mat. You're not to carry that mat. That's a violation of the Sabbath. But let's think about for a moment the mercy and the compassion of Jesus. So this man, you know, he was obviously neglected, forgotten, and overlooked in this multitude of sick people. I mean, he says it. He can't get anyone to help him get into the water. How many people were there? There could have been hundreds of people there. We don't know. But there might have been 50 or 72 or who, who knows? But this guy was just another face in the crowd and nobody 
seem to see him, but he was seen by Jesus. He was seen by Jesus. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you have been neglected, forgotten, or perhaps overlooked. But know this, Jesus sees. Jesus sees. We find this many times in the scriptures. The children of Israel, remember, they went into Egypt and they became slaves in Egypt. And they were there for hundreds of years and they were being oppressed and God had given promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and they had gone to Egypt because Joseph was the second in power. But now all of that is so far in the past and nobody even remembers a guy named Joseph. All they know is these Israelites are here and there are slaves. And as far as the Israelites were concerned, that was just what it was. But the Lord said to Moses, I have seen the affliction of my people. God sees. The Lord said to Hezekiah, the king, when he had received word that he was going to die. And he turned his face to the wall and he wept. And the Lord spoke to him through Isaiah and said, I have seen your tears. And the Lord would say to us as well, even though sometimes it doesn't seem that way, the Lord would say, I see your trouble, your anguish, your grief, your fear, your sickness. I see it. Jesus never sees one of his people in distress or affliction that he doesn't have compassion on and help for. And Psalm 46 reminds us, verse one, remember how it begins? It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. But let's be honest. If that's true, how come it doesn't seem that way? Have you ever been in a place where you're in distress, you're in trouble, you're afflicted, and it doesn't seem like God is even aware of it because he doesn't appear to be doing anything about it. If It's kind of like... Um, I was just reading the other day the story of Gideon. And the Midianites are overflowing the land and the Israelites are having to hide and they're living in caves and the Midianites are coming and taking all of their grain and they're oppressed. And the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says to Gideon, he says, you, you mighty man of God, the Lord is with you. And Gideon says, if the Lord is with us, why are we in this condition? And we might be tempted to ask the same question. Maybe you're in a place and it doesn't seem like God is with you. It doesn't seem like God is near. It doesn't seem like he's even aware of what's happening because he doesn't appear to be doing anything. Why? Well, let me suggest four 
possible reasons. One could be that sin is hindering God's work. That is a possibility. And we have to consider that that could be a possibility. Many, many times, I think the devil wants us to think that that's always the case, which, which it's not. I just received a message from a friend today who said he's struggling with not feeling like God is punishing him. He's, he's struggling to not feel like that's happening. I don't think that's what's happening. But in some cases, again, going back to this man where Jesus As we go on in the story, after he heals him, the man had no idea who it was. Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. That's verse 13. Then 14, later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you were well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So, Here we have a case where the problem was sin. The infirmity was due to sin, and Jesus says that this could return if you continue in this. And there are times when it is actually sin in our lives that will be the thing that is keeping us back from that blessing that God wants to bring upon our lives. So we have to consider that. But then it's also possible that the reason we're not receiving help is because we're looking to the wrong source. Now, this man, he says, I have no one or I have no man to put me in the pool. So not only was he battling with this infirmity, he also had the problem of there wasn't anybody to help him. So he was looking for a person to help him. And, you know, that can also be the situation in our lives that keeps us back from the help of God because we're not seeking the help of God. We're seeking the help of people. And somehow we think that it, this person is going to help me or the resources of this person is going to help me or, or something like that. So that's a possibility. Thirdly, we might be limiting how God might work. And again, here, this man had a, a one-dimensional view. I have to get into this pool That's how I'm going to get healed. And apart from that, he couldn't imagine that there was any other way that he was going to be healed. And so we can fall into that trap. We can fall into the trap of thinking, well, it's going to be this way. But it might not be that way at all. And then the fourth thing is it could simply be a timing thing.
And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. I know there are so many people that feel like they don't really understand sometimes even the basics of the Christian faith. And a classic book on the topic was written by John Stott, and the book is called Basic Christianity. And this is one of my favorite books because it beautifully and simply but profoundly lays out for us just exactly what the Christian faith is. So I read this book several times over. I read it many years ago. I try to read it every now and again. It's a great book, and I want to recommend it to you, Basic Christianity by John Stott. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Basic Christianity by John Stott. You can order the book Basic Christianity by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Basic Christianity by John Stott. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.